الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أمسك عليك لسانك وليسعك بيتك وابكي على خطيئتك أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most respected brothers and elders, mothers and sisters This is a very well-known hadith sharif of Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم which is reported by Hazrat Uqba bin Amir رضي الله تعالى عنه Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on occasion said to him when he asked a question so in response to his question Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave him this advice the question was that Ya Rasulullah man najat O Nabi of Allah ta'ala O Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam how does one gain salvation salvation from from what from the fitnas that are surrounding us from every direction from the trials and tribulations from the various things that try to distance us from allah taala waylay us from the path of jannah So this was a very very deep question because this is the most important thing that a person reaches jannah safely he does not get caught up on the way into any issues that that derail him the person who has reached jannah safely that person is truly successful faman zuhziha anin nari wa udkhila aljannata faqad faaz the one who is saved from the fire of jahannam and is entered into jannat this is the person who has succeeded so every one of us is hoping to succeed and wishing to succeed but till we don't reach that point of passing into jannat after having left this world with iman because that's the ticket to jannat and being forgiven by allah tabarak wa taala and being entered into jannat till then we have no guarantee what's the position so we have to be very very cautious keep making dua to allah taala beg his help and forgiveness but at the same time we have to be very cautious about how we conduct ourselves because this can sometimes lead to us losing what we are earning on the way if we don't conduct ourselves in the way that's going to take us directly to jannat inshallah so every person wants to reach jannat safely but what is the process and what is the means of getting there so obviously again it comes down to some of the most important fundamental issues and there is no compromise on those things that a person has to fulfill the commands of allah taala in terms of all the faraiz and then together with that the wajibat and sunnat e muakkada and staying away from sin but then sometimes there has been certain very concise advice given together with that that what will keep a person on track so on this occasion hazrat uqba bin amir radiyallahu ta'ala an he asked this question man najat so rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam then replied to him and he said amlik alayka hadha amlik alayka lisanak amsik alayka lisanak hold your tongue control your tongue amsik alayka lisanak step 1 part 1 of the prescription control your tongue the second part wal yasaka baytuk let your house be sufficient for you let your house be sufficient for you and the third aspect nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam mentioned wabki ala khati'atik that cry over your sins 
So three things mentioned in this Hadith Sharif as the prescription for Najat. Najat, the word is commonly used in Urdu as well, in other languages too. So Najat, safety, salvation. So outwardly it seems, so outwardly like we're talking about such a big thing and these three things is the means to salvation, safety. Everything is in these three things. Sounds a little difficult to understand. But this is the kalam of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Allah ta'ala had blessed him with being jawami'ul kalim. That this was part of his mu'jiza and miracle. That he could encompass an ocean of knowledge in just a few words. In a line, in half a line. He could encompass an ocean of knowledge. So in this hadith sharif, really the root of issues has been given to us. The first thing that Rasulullah says, Amsik alayka lisanak. In one riwayat, Amlik alayka lisanak. And the riwayat of Tirmizi Sharif is, Amsik alayka lisanak. That hold back your tongue. Amlik alayka lisanak, control your tongue. Now the tongue is such a small little lump in the body and just a piece of flesh very very delicate very soft if it just comes between the teeth by mistake and a person had to end up biting on his tongue it becomes very painful and it is very uh, sensitive this is the tongue such a simple such a small little lump in the body and then it's not even strong like the hand, for example, which has, or some of the other limbs, which have a very strong, like the elbow or the knee, strong bone, and something that can withstand a lot of impact. Somebody knocks his elbow into a wall or something, then it will be able to withstand a certain amount of impact. Because of the strength in that. But the tongue is unlike this. The tongue doesn't have any bone in it. And then, again, very sensitive. It just gets, uh, as described in the example, just comes slightly between the teeth by mistake and it gives a person a very severe pain. It gets injured very quickly. So this is how delicate this tongue is, how sensitive it is. Just a soft piece of flesh, but as very weak as it may seem outwardly, and just being a soft piece of flesh, but there is no sword that can be as sharp as this tongue. If this tongue decides to start cutting, then no sword can compare to the cutting edge of this tongue. This tongue, no arrow can compare to the tongue in how deeply it can pierce. An arrow, an arrow can't pierce as deeply as the tongue. And the arrow that is shot out of a bow, that after it pierces somebody's body also, but it can still be taken out, you can force it out. But when the tongue pierces deep down into the heart of somebody, it's sometimes impossible to take that out again. It might just get masked over time, but to take it out becomes like an impossibility. Illa mashallah. Sometimes it goes so deep down. So no sword can compare to the sharp edge of the tongue, though the tongue doesn't have any sharp edge, but yet it's sharper than the sharpest sword. And no arrow can compare with the piercing of the tongue. That arrow, as sharp as it might be, no matter, no matter what force somebody shot that arrow would, sometimes people who shoot arrows, they say that that arrow went at 70 kilometers an hour, and 80 kilometers an hour, Allah knows best how much, what other speed. But as fast as that arrow can fly, and as sharp as it might be, 
but it can't compare to the tongue when the tongue starts piercing. And no wild animal can attack somebody and tear the person apart. Allah forbid that a wild animal pounces on somebody. So you see, sometimes maybe somebody might have noticed or witnessed sometime a wild animal pouncing on a prey. So it pounces on the prey, then it just tears it apart. So no wild animal can tear any prey apart like how the soft and delicate tongue can tear somebody apart. can really tear a person. Maybe not physically, but emotionally and tear the person's heart to pieces, tear the person's emotions. So this is such a delicate organ, such a delicate limb. And this is Allah Ta'ala's great gift and bounty but it is just like that very great gift and bounty which is, for example, like that Qurbani knife, that very, very sharp and very, very uh, delicate knife which is used to slaughter the cattle. You don't play with that knife and you don't take chances with it. But what a great gift it is that such a great ibadat like Qurbani and now the person is slaughtering a cow and that knife helps him to fulfill this slaughtering and by means of this knife it is slaughtered in a way that finally by taking the name of Allah Ta'ala and cutting it as required that cow now got slaughtered, that ox got slaughtered in the correct manner and now its consumption became halal. And if it was a qurbani animal, then that became a means of great barakat as well. But that knife helped in all that. So what a great na'mat. But then misuse that knife, it can commit murder. So likewise the tongue, the tongue can take a person to tremendous heights. One subhanallah, one alhamdulillah, it fills the scales of good deeds. Subhanallah walhamdulillah tamla'ul mizan and a person saying some good word he can take somebody to the can, can create such good for someone that he takes him to the heights sometimes he says some good word of encouragement somebody gets encouraged with it somebody was feeling down and he lifted this person's spirits up by saying something that will comfort the person and the person felt good and then as a result now became a little enthusiastic to start doing something good and now one thing led to another and so much of good came out of it and this person who said those few words of comfort said those few words of helping somebody in some way he didn't even give it a second thought this is all the crux of a hadith sharif رَجُلَ لَا يَتَكَلَّمُ بِالْكَلِمَةِ مِنْ رِضْوَانِ اللَّهِ لَا يُلْقِي لَهَا بَالًا يَرْفَعُ اللَّهُ بِهَا دَرَجَاتِ He doesn't pay much attention to it, doesn't take it as anything great that was done. He took it as, well, I just said something, I just said a few words, but Allah Ta'ala loved it so much, because it brought about so much of good. It was a good word, and it brought about so much of good, that as a result of that one statement of his, as a result of those few words, he gets raised tremendously in akhirat. And the opposite of that is also true. That a person sometimes says something, breaks somebody, causes such emotional distress, says a word which really creates so much of difficulty and hardship for someone, uses foul languages, says things which are wrong by lying, backbiting, mocking somebody, degrading someone, talking things which are not permissible. So when these things start and the tongue gets involved in these things, many a times it doesn't even occur to a person that I said something serious, I said something very, very major, I said something which is a very great sin, it doesn't cross the mind person just goes on blurting whatever comes to the mind. But this tongue now has become 
it was such a great ni'mad, like that qurbani knife, it could help to slaughter that animal for qurbani. But now when this became misused, like that knife can commit murder, this tongue now becomes like an azab. This tongue becomes like an azab, it becomes azab for one personally, because now it brings about sin upon sin on the person's head, and it becomes azab for others also, because everybody gets tormented with it. So this controlling of the tongue is an extremely important thing. And therefore, in one hadith sharif, Rasulullah says, Man samata naja, the one who keeps quiet, naja, he'll get saved. The same thing, man najat. Uqba bin Amir radiallahu's question, man najat. The same same outcome Rasulullah is explaining, man samata naja, the person who keeps quiet, he'll get saved. So Speaking is very, very beneficial, provided we are speaking the right thing in the right manner and with the right intention. We are saying what is correct, but then saying the correct thing in the correct way. Saying the correct thing in an incorrect way, that too will become a problem. So saying the correct thing in a correct way, and it must be with the correct intention. Not to score points against somebody, but for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. So then that will become very beneficial. A person is saying something, he's inviting somebody to deen, he's saying something just light-hearted sometimes, but just to boost somebody's spirits, make somebody feel comfortable. What he's saying is not anything out of the line of Shariat. It's within the limits of deen. He's not crossing any boundaries, but it's a light-hearted talk. But that light-hearted talk, his intention behind it is that it will cheer somebody up, make them feel good, they'll feel energized as a result of that little light-heartedness. And then that person, mashallah, will be able to get going back into their work, into their amal, etc. So that will become a very great, great blessing. So mashallah, speaking, speaking is very, very beneficial. Provided a person, the person knows what to speak, how to speak what to speak and how to speak and also with the right intention but if a person doesn't have this control what to speak and how to speak then man samata naja the person who will keep quiet he will then remain safe and this is why Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala an he used to sometimes address his tongue and he used to say to his tongue, now he's addressing his tongue, obviously his tongue is part of him, so he's talking to himself, but so to say he's addressing his tongue. Because in the Hadith Sharif it comes that the tongue addresses, that the whole body addresses the tongue. That when a person in the morning, when he wakes up, then all the limbs and organs of the body, this is mentioned in the Hadith Sharif, that all the limbs and organs of the body, they plead with the tongue. They plead with the tongue, that we, that our safety, our good is linked to you. If you say what is correct, we will also be safe. If you say what is straight, we'll remain fine. And if you become crooked, we are also going to catch it. And generally it is not the tongue that catches it, the rest of the body gets the pain. pain. So the whole body then pleads with the tongue, please, you be straight. You don't, you don't get out of control. You be straight. There was one very pious person. His statement is recorded that it's perhaps one of the Sahaba, Sahaba, Sahaba or a Tabi'i, cannot recall right now. See, the thing that is most worthy of being imprisoned, I mean, our specific context that we are currently facing, so we can just change the word and say, that which is most worthy of being locked down is the tongue. Says that is the most worthy of being locked down. Lock down the tongue. The person who has learned to lock down the tongue, that person will be safe. So Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala, very great sahabi of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa he used to address his tongue. And he used to say to the tongue that, قُلْ خَيْرًا تَغْنَمْ 
that speak what is good, you'll benefit. If you speak what is good, and as mentioned, speaking what is good in a good way. Speaking what is good, what is right, in the right manner. So he used to say to his tongue, that speak what is good, you will benefit. And keep quiet from saying anything that is wrong. You'll be safe. And further he says, Before you regret what happened. And after that now, the consequences sometimes are in dunya, in akhirat. It's too late to now regret because the damage is done. So this is the very, very crucial aspect about controlling the tongue. And therefore, the Mashaykh used to state, Pehle tol pirbol. Pehle tol pirbol, in Urdu it rhymes, tol literally means to weigh something. So meaning weigh it, weigh it in a sense that, first check, what is it? Is it something that's going to be beneficial for me or harmful? Is it something going to create happiness? Or the opposite? Is it something that's going to create muhabbat or animosity? Is it going to create goodness or the opposite? So, first think about it. Weigh it. See where it falls. Which side of the scale? On the good side or on the bad side? Pehle tol pirbol. Then you speak. Unfortunately, we speak first and then think. So this is a very, very crucial aspect of our life that we have to learn how to control this limb of the body, the tongue. Because this tongue is what creates so much of issues. Or it can bring about so much of good. How a person speaks, what he decides to say. And we see in the hadith of Rasulullah so many ways in which the tongue is being used in a way to bring so much of good. One is, for example, all the things that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has taught us by his practical example and whatever he conveyed to the Ummah in terms of what to recite, the various recitations, etc. The portions of the Qur'an Sharif that have certain special virtues, the various tasbihat, wazaif, etc. These are all things that are related to the tongue, reciting something. So, mashallah, we should try to Maximize what we can do in terms of these amal. Make a lot of istighfar. Tuba liman wajada fi sahifatihi istighfaran kasira. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says, How wonderful is it for that person who finds in his book of deeds excessive istighfar. So now we should try to keep ourselves occupied in istighfar, especially in the times that we are in. Maximize the istighfar. And then Durud Sharif. One Durud Sharif a person decides ten Blessings Allah Ta'ala blesses him with. And we can't imagine what is the what is the greatness of one blessing. Allah Ta'ala blesses a person with ten blessings. Now the person recited a hundred times Guru Sharif, a thousand blessings. And that is the minimal. Allah Ta'ala grants whomever, whomever he wishes unlimited. So the tongue now is being engaged in all these things. Rasulullah himself has taught us how to keep the tongue occupied in these things. But then we learn from so many things that how Rasulullah used this tongue in a way that created so much of goodness in the hearts of people. Now this was to teach the Ummah also. This is his noble example. This is his beautiful way. This is that splendid manner of Rasulullah which Allah wa ta'ala described in the Quran Sharif لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا That in the Rasul of Allah wa ta'ala is a most splendid example. So just to take one, two examples, once Rasulullah was invited somewhere, so they presented some meat, some meat dish. So it would have been whatever was prepared, and they didn't have all the fancy styles that we have. It's simply prepared meat dish. So Rasulullah upon uh, Commencing that meal, or perhaps it might have been after it was completed, he commented 
كأنهم علموا أننا نحب اللحمة. It seems like these people knew we we enjoy meat. Now, was this some kind of uh, just a passing comment without any purpose in it? Nothing that Rasulullah said was without a purpose. There was nothing futile in his life. His Mubarak life, everything was a lesson. Was it because he was desirous of eating more? That was never the case. That was never the case that he had any desire for these things of dunya. But yes, if something was presented, then he made shukr to Allah Ta'ala. And if it was something that he enjoyed consuming, he partook of it with that manner and made the shukr of Allah Ta'ala. But what was the statement all about? The statement was to please the heart of the host. It's one simple line, very, very short line. It can be written in half a line. But this, there was a purpose behind this, that the host has presented something, and the host is always a little bit unsure that what I presented, was it enjoyed, what is, was it according to the taste and the likes of the guest, because he's concerned, he wants to try to please the guest, he wants to do the best for the guest, he wants to try and do the best that he can to satisfy the guest. So now this is that uneasiness sometimes that the host feels that I don't know whether it was on, it was right, it was not right, uh, whether this was something that the guest enjoys or not. Now this one simple comment, outwardly it seemed like a simple comment, but had a very deep purpose. The deep purpose was that to bring happiness to the heart of the guest. That mashallah, what you presented was enjoyed, it was something that was appreciated. Now that was a dawad, that was a dawad at somebody else's place. But now the person who eats daily in his own house and doesn't express any appreciation, day in, day out, not one line of appreciation, so where does that fit in? Oh, this is just, this was an example regarding something to do with food, but it's not confined to that. On a daily basis, Alhamdulillah, spouses do things out of muhabbat and love for one another, out of care to try and please the spouse. Husband does things for the wife, the wife does things for the husband. Now that tongue which talks so much elsewhere, but somehow it becomes locked from uttering one word of appreciation. From even saying Jazakallah sometimes. From even just saying I really enjoyed it. From even just saying, Mashallah, I really appreciate this gift you brought. By really, by, by expressing something that creates that happiness. At that time the tongue is locked. But dare something go against one's feelings. Dare something go against what one wanted, how one liked it. And that tongue will open out like there was no breaks to it at all and the brake linings have all worn out and the brake fluid has dried out and it's just free flow. So this tongue is to be, Nabi Salaam is teaching us that how this tongue is to be used. As Sayyidina Anas he is the Khadim of Rasulullah and he's a young boy and he says about himself that many a times Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would say to me that do this, meaning some some day-to-day chore, something, some work to attend to. And uh, he said, I will neglect it. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would say something to be placed somewhere, I won't do it. Meaning later he'll do it. Sometimes he's told to do something, he says, no, I'm not going to do it now, later. And he's a young child. He was 10 years old when he came in the khidmat of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa But he says, I stayed in the khidmat of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa for 10 full years. From the age of 10 for 10 full years. And he says, in those 10 years, ma qala li uffin qattu. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa didn't say uff to me once. Wala li shay'in sana'atuhu lima sana'atuhu. I did something, I made some mistake somewhere. He didn't... Take me to task for that. 
Now this refers to day-to-day mundane things. It's not with regards to tarbiyat, with regards to proper Islamic nurturing. That is a very important aspect and that requires a person to be very diligent and not let things pass. Because when things are just let to pass, then sometimes it just like that we let it pass, pass and let it carry on passing, it all fails in the end. Because you just let things pass, then that's the path to failure. You can't let things pass here. You have to be corrected in a good way, with muhabbat, with shafqat, and sometimes there's a need for some disciplining within the limits. The disciplining can be by means of withholding privileges sometimes, in various ways. So you can't let it pass. That whatever happened, let it happen. Because that letting it pass will make it fail. It needs to be corrected. But it needs to be corrected correctly. If it's corrected incorrectly, that too will become a major problem. You're correcting it, you correct it correctly. Otherwise, that too would become a problem. So there are so many things, as mentioned yesterday, we need to then take guidance. We need to take guidance from those who are experienced, from those who have that knowledge of how to go about this and negotiate this minefield of the dunya that we live in. All the obstacles that come in the way, all the various things that come in the way, we need to take guidance, take advice from those who have the experience, have the knowledge, they will guide us and they will help us to negotiate past all these pitfalls and all the issues that come up. So this tongue now, the tongue needs to be used correctly. Now when the Wasallam said these words, now there were so many times now these kind of things are happening, as Anas is saying, that I'm making these mistakes. But not once did Nabi Wasallam say, Uff, that doesn't mean that this was not addressed. But it was corrected in a manner that was behoving of that situation. And at the end of the day, what had to be addressed was addressed. But the only way we know how to address something is to scream about it, to shout about it, to blow the roof out. That's the only way we have learned how to address something. But that address, that manner of address, that is a very, very dangerous way of addressing things. That everything is all the time a shouting match and Everything is on a negative note. Everything is on a... Like those arrows are being shot at, shot out of that bow. It's like that sharpest sword that is just swinging wildly. It is that wild animal that is just pouncing on the prey and tearing it apart. So this is not the way that Rasulullah taught us. He taught us to speak good words, kind words. Can we imagine such a great ibadat like Hajj? Subhanallah. What a great ibadat. One of the pillars of Islam. And the person who performs a Hajj in a proper manner. Person who fulfills all the etiquettes, fulfills the requirements and all the etiquettes of that Hajj. And he performs a Hajjul Magroor. Then Rasulullah says that he returns from that Hajj like the day he was born, meaning sinless. Obviously, hukukul ibad and the rights of people need to be fulfilled, but the sins have all been forgiven. Now, such a great ibadat, this, ibad, this, this great virtue has been promised on al-hajjul mabroor. In the hadith sharif, Rasulullah says, al-hajjul mabroor laysa lahu jaza'un illa al-jannah. The person who has performed the hajjul mabroor we use this when we are wishing somebody well, somebody is leaving for Hajj. Say, Allah Ta'ala grant you Hajj Mabroor. And it's a beautiful dua to give a person who's going for Hajj. But this actually comes from this Hadith Sharif, where Rasulullah gave this great virtue that the person who uh, performs a Hajjul Mabroor, then the recompense for that, the reward for that is nothing but Jannat, meaning then he's gained Jannat.
This person is a Jannati now. He just remains steadfast on that, remains firm on that, and then he's gone to Jannat, inshallah. So now this is the virtue of Hajjul Mabrur. So the Sahaba were not like us. They would take direction in everything and they would get the clarification. So somebody asked Omar, Birruha, Ya Rasulullah. Ya Rasulullah, you are saying this Hajjul Mabrur. Mabrur, they knew the meaning of Mabrur. Mabrur comes from Bir. Bir means virtue. So Hajjul Mabrur means a Hajj which is filled with virtue. But they wanted to know now what, there's something specific being meant here. What is it? So therefore, the Aswama Birruha Ya Rasulullah. What is the Bir? What is the special virtue of Hajj? Now a person going for Hajj, he's going to perform Tawaf, he's going to perform Sa'i, he's going to go to Arafat, he's going to go to Mina, Muzdalifa, etc. So this person is going to do all these rites of Hajj. Otherwise, what Hajj is going to perform? That goes without saying, from the time of tying Ihram and making the Tawaf and Sa'i and the going to Mina and then Muzdalifa and Arafat and coming back to Mina and whatever else has to be done, he is going to do all that. But there's something that's going to be the thing that's going to enhance this Hajj and make it Mabrur. So the question was, Oma Birruha Ya Rasulullah. So all these things are already understood that this has to happen. What is going to enhance it and make it truly Hajj? So Rasulullah mentioned three things. One was Ita'am Ta'am, the second was Ifshaw Salam, and the third aspect mentioned was Tribul Kalam. Ita'am Ta'am, feeding, there's a lot of detail in this, but simply feeding, feeding anybody, any amount that can be fed, even just one date, one sip of water, all that will be included in it. Ifshaw Salam, making Salam common. Unfortunately, we don't even make salam sometimes when entering our home, when leaving our home, when meeting our household, people of the household. We just walk in, we don't make salam. What a tragedy this is. What a deprivation. Ifshaw salam. And the third thing Rasulullah says was tibul kalam. Tibul kalam, talking good words. Now can we imagine hajj? The person is going for hajj. And what's going to make it hajj mabrur? Talking good words. Because he's going to be tested there. There's going to be a lot of tests. He's now on a journey. A journey has its own challenges. Then he's going to be without his comforts and luxuries of the home. Then he's going to be in a confined space. He's going to be in the middle of crowds. He's going to be sometimes having to do things that he's not accustomed to, walking distances. And there's going to be so many things that he is not accustomed to doing those things at home. And sometimes things don't go how he would want it to go. Sometimes there's some delays there in certain things. Sometimes some things he came to eat and the food got finished. And now he's not at home that now, okay, do something else. Now it's another whole chapter to get something else to eat. Sometimes somebody got lost in the process. What not happens? But in all that, he controls his tongue. Whether it's Hajj now, whether it's Umrah, the same applies. He controls his tongue. He speaks good words. He, yes, he got irritated somewhere. He got provoked somewhere. He got upset somewhere. All these things happen with insan. But despite all that, this is the Kamal of insan. This is his perfection. And this is his achievement. That in the midst of all those challenges and all those situations, but he can still say what is right in the right manner. And he speaks in kind words. This is an achievement. This is going to enhance that Hajj and make it Hajjul Mabrur, which is going to make him eligible for Jannat and which brings him back in a condition that he's like the day he was born. So this is highlighting how important this tongue is because this tongue is after all going to be speaking those words. So this is the importance of this tongue. And this is what is being mentioned in this Hadith Sharif. Amlik alayka lisanak. Control your tongue. One Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala he walked in and Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala is sitting there and he's tugging on his tongue. He's tugging on his tongue. Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu saw this and said, Mah, hold on, what's, what's going on? Why, why are you doing this? 
Because now you're hurting yourself, obviously. Tugging on the tongue like this. Siddiq Akbar said, Inna hadha qad awradani al-mawarid. This tongue is the one that put me into trouble. This tongue has caused me to fall into trouble. Now what trouble he must have caused for himself? There must have been one slight, very, very mild slip up somewhere. But this was the extent of the self-reflection. This was the extent of the self-reflection. That now he's, he's reflecting upon himself and he is chastising himself that this is where you went off. You misused your tongue, whereas what, what he would have misused his tongue about? But that, was a, that is the extent to which that he was conscious that this tongue must not be misused. So now, that slight, very, very minor slip up somewhere, he is chastising himself. And we say whatever we want, we make ribad, we mock people, we abuse people, we say hurtful things, we do so many things with our tongue, saying things, all kinds of things, but there is no self-reflection, there is no remorse, there is no regret, there is no making amends, and life carries on like nothing happened. Whereas, all this on the day of Qiyamah will be questioned about. And therefore, in one hadith sharif, Rasulullah sallallahu said to Hazrat Mu'az ibn Jabal radiallahu ta'ala an, وَهَلْ يَكُبُّ النَّاسَ فِي النَّارِ إِلَّا حَصَائِدُ أَلْسِنَتِهِمْ That what will throw people into Jahannam, it is the harvest of their tongues. The harvest of their tongues will throw them into Jahannam. Meaning the wrong things that were said, how it was said. So this is the very, very great importance about the tongue. So this was the first part of the Hadith Sharif, which we were discussing of Hazrat Uqba bin Amir radiallahu ta'ala an, where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa he asked Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa man najat, and the answer that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa gave the first part was, amsik alayka lisanak, hold back your tongue, meaning from anything wrong, from saying it in the wrong manner. This is a training, it requires a training. The person who learns to keep quiet, and we should, this is something to practice. When sitting with people, sitting in company, then we're not going to be now aloof and uh, be just totally dumb and not say any word. That makes others feel uncomfortable. There has to be some, some reasonable manner in which we conduct ourselves. But there isn't a need to be speaking non-stop all the time. And sometimes some people, mashallah, they have such a, such a genius ability, really genius ability. Five people can be sitting there and all five can be talking and listening at the same time, non-stop. All five will be talking to each other, non-stop, and all be listening to each other. That's a real, some karamat of theirs. This is a thing that Allah knows best how they manage to do it. But they'll be all talking and listening at the same time and everybody will be part of that conversation. So it's not necessary that a person has to be talking non-stop, something or the other has to be saying. No, we say things, we say things correctly, we say things to make people feel comfortable, make people go, feel good. So if we are sitting in company, we are sitting with somebody, we will say things, even sometimes some light-hearted conversation, some general talk. The purpose is to make the person feel comfortable, make the person feel at home. So mashallah, with the right niyat, even that too will be counted as a good act. But there are many times when we can keep ourselves quiet also and practice to keep ourselves quiet. And when we will keep quiet, but with the right frame of mind, learn to practice keeping quiet with the correct engagement of the heart. Allah forbid the person is quiet, but the heart is steeped in all kinds of evil thoughts. Then that, that quietness, being quiet is not beneficial because now the person is in this haram now. He stopped from one wrong by talking wrong, but now he steeped his heart into haram. No, keeping quiet helps to keep the heart, bring the heart into focus. Heart focusing correctly. It puts the heart straight. Provided that, at that time on keeping quiet, the heart is correctly engaged. Engaged in the muraqaba of the greatness of Allah Ta'ala's creation, what Allah Ta'ala created, how great is our Rabb, the muraqaba of maud, muraqaba of shukr, it's the muraqaba of the name of Allah Ta'ala, Allah, 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 Allah. 
or engaging the mind in some good thoughts. How can I help somebody? How can I be of some assistance to someone? How can I try and resolve that issue for somebody? How can I try and improve myself? How can I try and improve my salah? How can I try and keep my tongue under control? How can I avoid other kinds of problems that come up because of my wrong conduct, etc., etc.? Keeping the mind and the heart engaged in these kind of thinking, this kind of thinking, these kind of thoughts. Now that, when the person keeps quiet from time to time and engages the heart correctly, in any of these things, whether it's just some zikr of the heart, taking the name of Allah Ta'ala deep down from the heart, making muraqaba of the akhirat, just, if you want to imagine something, try to imagine, we can never imagine the reality, but try to think about the bounties of Jannat, and then make dua, Ya Allah, you take me to Jannat, grant me the tawfiq of those a'mal, of those a'mal that will take me to Jannat, talk to Allah Ta'ala from the heart, just engage the heart in dua, so keeping quiet, Keeping quiet is a very great virtue. And now when the person trains himself to keep quiet, keep quiet, but as mentioned, where the limits are, what's reasonable in terms of when in company, what's to be done. And now the person has his time for his solitude as well. And sometimes when he is there, people are there, they're doing their work, etc. He doesn't have to be talking to somebody all the time. People are engaged in some of their work, their chores, whatever else. He's doing something, sometimes he spoke something. Then he's keeping quiet and reflecting. With reflection. So then the heart comes straight. So when he keeps his tongue straight, then the heart will find its place to be straight. And when the heart comes straight, then the whole body will be straight, will be on track. But if the tongue goes haywire, it will impact immediately on the heart. And the heart will go haywire. When the tongue goes off the track, the heart will go off the track because the tongue has a direct impact on the heart. Like what we see has an impact on the heart, what we listen to has an impact on the heart, likewise what we speak has a direct impact on the heart. Now the person is speaking wrong things, speaking vulgarities, speaking lies, making ghibat, mocking somebody, or, or now misusing the tongue, attacking others, making it that sharp sword or that piercing arrow or that wild animal, then the heart is going to go completely off track. When the heart goes off track, then the rest of the limbs and organs are all going to also follow in the same line. So this is the very, very delicate limb, which is such a great na'mat of Allah Ta'ala. But if we don't appreciate it, don't use it correctly, it can become a means of the greatest azab for us as well. So we have to learn how to control this tongue. Amlik alayka lisanak. Just to finish off on one more point on this, that one is the tongue itself, the Arabs, Arabs used to say, وَالْقَلَمُ أَحَدُ الْلِسَانَيْنِ That the pen is one of the two tongues. In other words, just as a person speaks with the tongue, he also speaks with the pen. Meaning what he writes, when he speaks, he is conveying something in words. So people will hear the words that he is saying, he is conveying a message with that. And when he writes, you don't hear anything, but you read words. When you speak, you listen, some, the person listens to the words. And when you write, somebody will read the words. So like with the tongue, you're conveying a message. With the hand, with the pen, you're conveying a message. So the pen, in other words, writing. So one is speaking. And writing is also another tongue. It's like speaking. So whatever applies to speaking, that applies to writing as well. And... This has become an era of writing. The era that we are living in, like never before, it has become an era of writing. Previously, there were few people writing, 5%, maybe less than 10%, 5% people writing, and 90% reading. Because not everybody was, not everybody was a writer. And uh, the few people that were writing, they were people who had knowledge, there were people who understood what is deen all about. There were people who knew what to write. So they were writing and others were reading. Now everybody is writing. Everybody is an expert writer. Everybody is writing. Allah knows best. If you have to put it all together, it will become volumes. But what they are writing? All chit-chat on social media. All kinds of things, whether it's something that is correct, incorrect, now everybody is an expert. 
Every before typing, typing had it was a big skill. People would go for typing lessons. Now the child is born, and barely some months later, that child already is learning how to press buttons on the screen. And by the time he's a few years old, he's also already typing. Previously, that required a specialist course. So, the same care that is required when speaking, the same care is required when writing. And what has become the trend nowadays, anything comes past, yes, we just moving it from here to there, the press of, press of a button, 100 people we're sending something to, 1,000 people we're sending it to. So previously, person is sitting with one person and saying something, making ghibat. So he's making ghibat with one person. He's getting the sin of making ghibat with one person. And now he's pressing some button and forwarding something, ghibat, to 1,000 people. At the press of a button, he got the sin of 1,000 ghibat. So this is how delicate this has become. So this is a very, very crucial thing, what we write, we try to, just as we have to keep quiet, we have to hold back our hands too also nowadays. Just as keeping quiet is a very important thing, hold back our hands also from just typing anything. So this is a very important lesson in Deen, and we have to train ourselves, train ourselves to inculcate this habit of controlling our tongue, controlling our hand, from just typing anything. And in this way, inshallah, we'll get saved from numerous problems, numerous difficulties. We will save others from many problems and difficulties. We ourselves will, inshallah, progress in deen. And we'll be able to help others also to progress in deen. May Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Inshallah, we'll make zikr for a few minutes and then do
full of our hearts with your Muhammad, ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, ya Allah. All the good that Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa begged for. Ya Allah, we also begging for all that good, ya Allah. Whatever Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, sought refuge from, ya Allah, grant us protection as well, ya Allah. Allahumma inna nas'aluka bin khayri ma sa'alaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه المعين والحمد لله